Matthew chapter 5, if you would turn there in your Bibles, we're going to pick up where we left off last week. We are presently on the blessed pathway. Blessed are the poor in spirit. I believe that speaks of our attitude toward ourselves in which we acknowledge our poverty of spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. I believe that speaks of our attitude toward our sin as we have sorrow over it. And then today's beatitude, blessed are the meek. I believe that speaks of our attitude toward others as we seek to walk in humility. And then also, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And I think that's obviously our attitude toward God, the only one who can satisfy our longing. Father, we pray that as we study your word now, that you would speak, that you would give us insight, that you would allow your peace to just rest upon us, Lord. As Mariel prayed, you're in control. What can man do to me? What can man do to us? You know, there's a lot, I guess, they could do, but, but we are safe in your hand And we pray, Lord, that we would find our security, our peace in you and in you only. So teach us. Jesus' name, amen. Blessed are the meek. You know, if the world was to have a beatitude, it would probably be something like, Blessed are the warriors, for they shall take the earth by force. But of course, Jesus, he says, blessed are the meek. He said, it's the meek who are blessed, and it's the meek who inherit the earth. Now, I read that, and I, just at face value, I look at it, and I say, I don't want it. I don't want the earth. It's a mess. But of course, In light of the scripture, and that's how we're always to approach scripture, in light of the scripture, the best commentary uh, on scripture is scripture. And I believe that what is being referred to here is when Christ comes again at his second coming and he sets up his kingdom upon the earth, a thousand year kingdom. Uh, Isaiah Isaiah, uh, spoke about it, wrote about it in his prophecy. Of course, we see it in the book of Revelation. I think that's when, you know, when King Jesus is ruling and reigning on the earth, well, yes, then it sounds like a blessing to inherit the earth, doesn't it? Do you know that uh, the psalmist David, he wrote this in Psalm 37, verse 9, For evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait on the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. So there it is, early on in the scriptures. Same psalm, verse 11 But the meek shall inherit the earth. I mean, that's verbatim, isn't it? And shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. So when you go through the Beatitudes, to me it seems very apparent that the Beatitudes are almost like links of a chain. You know, one leads to the next, to the next, to the next. Let me show you what I mean. First, there's there's the acknowledgement of poverty of spirit, which brings... Me to a place, you to a place of mourning. And the mourning brings us to a place, hopefully, if it's genuine, 
of meekness. I believe that meekness is a byproduct, in other words, of poverty of spirit and mourning. Blessed are the meek. Now, I remember years ago listening to Pastor Chuck Smith, and Pastor Chuck would say, now, if we're to really understand what this means, blessed are the meek, in light of its context here in the Beatitudes, he says the way we could understand it is by simply taking the word meek and dividing it right in half. Me, ick. (laughs) And I think there's some truth to that. I know that flies in the face of our self-esteem generation, you know, but uh, I didn't grow up in that generation, so I could find pleasure in things like that. Listen, a meek person is not a passive person. A meek person is not a passive person or a weak person. And we need to understand this. You know, I, I believe that I'm giving exhortations constantly as of late to stand you know, stand your ground, uh, be brave, be courageous. And, and, and yet there seems to be this attitude, you know, that, well, and we, we're hearing it from pulpits. Uh, someone was telling me about something they saw, a commercial on television, a, a, a minister uh, who was promoting, you know, what we've been dealing with <laughs> as of late. And, um, and, and really saying, you know, this is what Jesus would have you do. This is what, so, you know, they're taking the Lord and, of course, using him now as a poster boy for whatever. And it's wrong. Meekness is not weakness. Remember Moses? You might be thinking, well, what does Moses have to do with it? Well, this is what Moses has to do with it. Moses was the meekest man on the face of the whole earth when he was on the earth. And we know this because he told us this. <laughs> we read in Numbers chapter 12, verse 3, Now the man Moses was very humble, or meek, more than all the men who were on the face of the earth. But we, you know what we also see about Moses? Well, we read things like, So Moses' anger became hot, and he cast the tablets out of his hand and broke them at the feet or I'm surely, excuse me, at the foot of the mountain, Exodus chapter 32, verse 19. Of course, we know about the rock incident. You know, speak to the rock, and he beats the rock. And in fact, that was why he was unable to go into the promised land, lead the children of Israel into the promised land. My point is, is that Moses was not a pushover, though he was a meek man. Could you imagine being a pushover if you're leading this group of rebellious Hebrews from Egypt to to the promised land? He never made it to the promised land. He got to the, the, the outskirts. He got to the border of the promised land, but they would refuse to go in because of fear and because of rebellion against God. So I'm going to repeat it again because I want it to really sink in. Meekness is not weakness. Meekness is strength under control. Moses was surely not weak, but he was meek. Meekness. What do you think of when you think of meekness? Well, I'm looking at it in light of Scripture. I would say that meekness is associated with gentleness. And meekness is associated with a receptive heart towards God. Meekness is associated with a quiet and submissive 
uh, a, a quiet submission toward God, toward his word, toward his will. It's not my will, Lord, but your will. I think that's what meekness is, would be seen as. And meekness is a willingness to obey God's direction and to yield to his discipline. The Lord disciplines his children. He is the father. He disciplines his own. If you're not being disciplined by God, it's not because you're a good little boy or a good little girl. It might be because you're not his. It's not a negative thing to be disciplined by the Lord. Listen, the scriptures are clear. God disciplines his children. Judgment begins in the house of God first. God doesn't discipline the non-believer. God pours out his wrath upon the non-believer. He doesn't discipline the non-believer. Meekness is not weakness. I think a good picture of meekness would be an ox that was yoked. When I was a kid, I lived in Poway in San Diego. And at that time, we literally lived on the edge of town. Um, since then, of course, Poway, like any town or city, it just begins to spread out. And now Poway goes all the way out to the freeway. And, but there was a time when our little neighborhood, we lived on a cul-de-sac, and, and our playground was literally acres and acres and acres of rolling hills with sagebrush and rattlesnakes. And it was no trespassing, but that was our playground. And we would go out there. And I remember we would go out there, and sometimes they would bring cattle in there, and they would let the you know, cattle just kind of range. And we went out there one time, and to our surprise, we came up over a, a little hill, and there was a Brahma bull with a big hump on it. And he kind of looked at us, and we thought, you know, out there, there's not a tree have you ever been to Poway? You know, there's not a tree unless it was planted. And, and it's like, where are we going to run? You know, where are we going to go? And anyway, an ox, a strong ox that's yoked. Do you know where I'm heading? Jesus said, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle or meek and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Matthew chapter 11, verses 29 through 30. Again, meekness is not weakness. Jesus was meek, but Jesus was not weak. This is why it's so important for us to be people of the scriptures, reading the scriptures. Jesus was not weak. I mention it quite often because I, I think that's where we see it, you know, in, in uh, living color, if you will, or in, in red letters as we read in our scriptures, Matthew chapter 23, where Jesus is rebuking the scribes and the Pharisees. And, 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 and I've suggested to you on many occasions, try reading that in a calm voice. It's hard to do it. It's hard to read in a calm voice, whoa. To you, <laughs> you know. And when I read it, I just, I, I, I picture Jesus. He's frustrated with them. He's angry with them. You burden people. You religious hypocrites, you. You pretend that you're all that and you're nothing. You're like a grave full of dead men's bones. You're nothing. And he's angry, he's frustrated, and he's voicing this. Jesus was meek, but he was not weak. 
Or when Jesus began, I know I always mention this as well, but I, I mean, how could you avoid these things? When Jesus began his public ministry, the first thing he does, apparently, or one of the first things he does, he goes into Jerusalem, he sees all the money changers, and he drives them out. He's angry, he's frustrated. My house shall be a house of prayer. You've made it a house of merchandise. Get out! And then we see Jesus ending his public ministry before his crucifixion, doing the exact same thing. Jesus was meek, but he was not weak. Did Jesus ever cower in fear? We don't see it in the scriptures. I don't believe he did. Was Jesus easily pushed around? Have you read the Gospels lately? No, he was not easily pushed around. Jesus was meek, but he was not weak. I think of David. David. David was meek. But he was not weak. David. He's anointed the future king of Israel. What's going on? I don't understand what's happening. You've got the wrong man. Later on, David is promised the king's daughter. He says, uh, you know, it's not a small thing to be the son-in-law of the king. He was meek, but he was not weak. How many Philistines foreskins would you like? (laughs) David was meek, but he was not weak. I think one of the saddest pictures I see in the scriptures of David is after the Bathsheba thing, after the cover-up, you know, a year's gone by, Nathan the prophet comes and exposes his sin. He, he doesn't put up a front. He, I mean, it's almost as if he's relieved. You know, okay, it's out. I knew it was out. I, I knew it wasn't hidden from God. But I, I somehow I was trying to save face, trying to hope that this thing would go away. But now it's out. And he's repentant. And then he begins to reap the consequences. There's turmoil. There's turmoil in his home. One of his own sons rises up and the people begin to follow him. And David, because he didn't want civil war to take place in Jerusalem, he walks. Let me read this to you. I'm reading from 2 Samuel chapter 15. So David went up by the ascent of the Mount of Olives and wept as he went up. And he had his head covered and went barefoot And all the people who were with him covered their heads and went up weeping as they went. Meek. Then someone told David, saying, Ahithophel is among the conspirators with Absalom. And David said, O Lord, I pray, turn the counsel of Ahithophel into foolishness. Meek, but not weak. Christians, how do we apply this? Well, (laughs) we are being told, comply. If I hear the word mandate one more time, I think my head's going to spin off. Comply. 
Just make it easy on yourself. Just comply. Just do the right thing. Do what Jesus would do, you know. And you almost picture in your imagination a picture of, of Jesus, you know, with a with a hypodermic noodle in his hand or something. I, I, I mean, it's just, it's the strangest, strangest thing that we are dealing with today. Last week, if you were here at this service, the second service, I, I had the folks come and stand and come forward so that we could pray for them if their jobs were in jeopardy. I bet if I was to ask that question today, after what happened last week, because of the President of the United States, there would be a lot more people up here. And this is the days in which we live. I said to you last week, this is not theory, this is reality. Let me tell you of the reality. Two of those men, which represent their spouse, their families, no longer have jobs because their religious exemption or their spiritual or biblical conviction was turned down. They were turned down because, (laughs) quote, as we know, Social distancing and masks no longer work. So therefore, we'd love to have you come back to work for us if you take the vaccination. It saddens my heart. Honestly, I feel like, I mean, I I am not your father. (laughs) I am not your father. But my heart goes out to you guys. Because you're like the first, at least in our church, that are being affected by this. I feel like it's my kids. Because again, you know, I, I don't know what world you might live in. But, but I think that most of us live in this world where we, we work our jobs. We pay our bills. We pay our rent or our mortgage. We pay for our cars and we put gas in the tanks. And we don't have a huge savings account to fall back on. I think that most people probably live that way. And so when you're, not just your job, but your career has ended. Oh. I wonder, I was texting Cameron yesterday. I was texting this long this long text, you know. And then I just deleted it all and, and just kind of said a few words. And I thought, he doesn't need to hear from me. He needs to hear from you, Lord. Lord, please speak to him. Speak to them. Pray, Lord, that you would prompt them to go to, uh, you know, the location in your word where they could read and they could just be comforted by you, Lord. That's the comfort that we need in times like this. Meekness is not weakness. Meekness does not mean you get your walking papers and you just walk away. Stand. What do you mean? My son asked me yesterday. What do you mean by that, Dad? Stand. If you truly have convictions, you you put in that religious exemption. I like to refer to it as biblical or, or spiritual exemption, you know, based on your 
convictions based upon the word of God. If you truly believe that, then you stand your ground. You be a man, you be a woman of integrity. Stand your ground. Stand. What does that mean? Don't be forced to go stand in a corner someplace. Stand. I'm going to really sound like a lunatic now, and I don't care. You know, I, 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 I really don't. I, I, you know, the, the phone calls are coming in, and, you know, some are voicing their concerns for my sanity. As they watch me seemingly drive a church into the ground, I don't think I'm doing that. Bring a lawsuit against your employer. Based on what? Based on Paul. The Apostle Paul. You ever read through the things that the Apostle Paul went through? I was shipwrecked this many times. I was beaten with rods that many times. I was beaten with this many stripes from the, you know. I mean, the guy's just like a punching bag for the cause of Christ. And most of the persecution that he experienced was from the Jews. What was his recourse? Help me, Lord. They want to kill me, Lord. That was it. Until the Romans beat him. And he said, wait a minute. I'm a Roman citizen. You can't beat me without finding me guilty. As charged. I appeal to Caesar. It's funny how we have critics today who will say, oh, he probably shouldn't have done that, you know, because that led to his death. Well, no, not really, because he went to Caesar, he stood before Caesar, and then was released, and then was later rearrested and went before Caesar Nero and, and was martyred for his faith. But it wasn't the sequence that many times we think it is. I think we need to stand. You know what I love? I love when I see courage being manifested. Meekness is not weakness. I love, you know, not arrogant, not load up, we're going, you know, to to war, not that type of thing. I'm talking about just taking your stand. I was so troubled, as many of you were. I had to repent. I, I really, I... I had one of my grandsons in the vehicle with me, and I'm listening to the radio, and I'm listening to the President of the United States. I know what the scripture says, that we're supposed to pray for our leaders. And, and I'm listening to him, and I just kept mumbling and grumbling and, and, and shaking my head, and, and my grandson's trying to talk to me about something, but I, I'm not really hearing what he's saying because I'm tuned into what he's saying and I'm troubled by what he's saying. And I'm saying, how can the leader of the free world put citizens of the same country at odds against one another? How could you do that? And the sad fact of the matter is, is that there are people that are stupid enough, and they don't have a backbone, and they don't think with their own mind, that will look at others with hatred because you haven't complied, you haven't done, you're not following the mandates. And that's what's scary to me. I listened to him, and I came home that night, and I told my wife, I said, babe, 
I, I know that sometimes, you know, my wife has asthma really bad. And again, it sounds, you know, silly to you if you don't have asthma or if you don't have an issue. Everything's silly unless you're dealing with it yourself. Isn't that the way it is? She said, I feel like I'm suffocating with my mask. So a lot of times if she could go in someplace without a mask, she goes in someplace without a mask. And I told her, because I'm listening to the rhetoric and I'm fearful now, not for myself, but for my wife. And I told her, I said, I'm afraid that if you go in someplace and some lunatic thinks that they're doing some great heroic thing by attacking you because you're the problem, because you don't have a mask on. Because I'm listening to the rhetoric and the fear-mongering that's coming from the head on down. Meekness is not weakness. Stand. I'm going to get to the next beatitude, but I need to say something. I'm saying this for two reasons. One it's because I'm selfish. And the other, I think it's, it's just good counsel. I know that some folks are thinking of the praying about moving to another location because we're not just dealing with the president of the United States. We're dealing with the governor of Washington State. So we know where we're at, okay? We know where we live. And I've heard people over the past year and and more recently that have been saying maybe it's time for us to leave maybe it's time for us to move someplace else and selfishly I don't want to see people leave here I don't want to see people move I really don't I, I just I, I don't want to miss you from afar you know I want I want you to be here and get mad at me when I say things and so you know but I fear that if we're in the days that I think we're in, the last days, as Jesus described, as as Pastor Tom just expressed on that video, if we're truly in those days, things are not going to get better. And there is not a state, obviously there's not even a country, you know, where you could go to be exempt from this type of stuff, wherever you go. You know, I was thinking North Dakota. They got a good governor up there. North Dakota, that would be the place. I I looked at this morning that they're having an outbreak among the cattle of um, anthrax. (laughs) Those mad cows. The point is, is that it's going everywhere. And this is my fear. That you will leave. You will move. Now listen, please, let me, let me say this. If God is telling you to go someplace, be obedient to the Lord. But if he's not telling you to go someplace, don't go. And this is why. You will leave. Many of you have family here. When things get hard, families pull together. We have, we have 24 people in our family here on the island. Uh, with our children, grandchildren, their spouses, and everything else. 
When things get bad, when things get really bad, we're going to pull together. Whatever that looks like, however that is. And I know that you have family members that feel the same way. Let us help you. And and sometimes, you know, you think this is the best thing to do. We're going to move. We're going to go. And now you don't know anybody. You're the stranger. You're the newcomers of that place. And then you say, well, we've gone to this place, and like so many people who leave, and it's not because this church is a great church, they just go other places, and then they'll call and say, we can't find a church. We went to this church, we thought it was a good church, but they're into the social justice thing, or Black Lives Matter, or whatever it might be, they're into other things than the Bible. So that's our last Sunday there. And then you're out there, you have no family, you have no church family. And you're out on your own. And you say, well, we'll just tune in and watch Calvary Chapel Oak Carver. Don't do that. Because if you leave, this is no longer your church. You have to find a church to go to. Because that's what Christians do. Church is not watching television. You guys know this, don't you? You know from the scriptures, church is being a part of other people. You know, we always hear about community, community, community. Well, there's some truth to that. Knowing people, getting to know people. So then you go someplace, you're the stranger. Please stay. Please, if you fall on hard times, if, if things are, are getting bad, let's watch how the church cares for its own. Do, do you hear what I'm saying? This little church, we, we don't have, you know, we're, everything we do is, is small, but, but we can and we will do what we can to help the people of this church. It's kind of like the exemptions, you know. We don't want people coming from the outside just because they want an exemption. Neither would we want people coming from the outside. Oh, I'm a Christian, but I don't go to this church. Help, you know. We're going to take care of those that we've known. So I just hope that you don't, make any rash decisions. I pray that things turn around. I pray that more and more people stand up. Again, it doesn't matter. Do you understand what I'm saying? It doesn't matter where you fall on the what side you fall on as far as the vaccination is concerned. To me, that's not the issue. The issue is, is that real people are really being hurt by these mandates. That's the real problem. And that real people need to you know, we're still Americans. I haven't seen a red flag flying from the Oak Harbor, uh, you know, City Hall yet. And if I do, maybe I'll stop talking like this, you know. But, um, but, but we need to stand upon the liberties that we have. You know, we're people that have been born into this country for a reason. And, and I think, anyway, I... Can you tell I'm frustrated? My, my heart is just really broken about this stuff. And I'm so concerned for our people. I'm concerned for the Hopkins. I'm concerned for the Carols. The first of a long list of people. I just hope things turn around. No, I hope Jesus comes. I hope Jesus comes like today and gets us out of here. And, you know... And you say, oh, that's escapism. Yep. (laughs) That's right. That's what it is. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. You know, needy people usually don't deny or ignore their need. They acknowledge it. A self-righteous person 
will never hunger or thirst for righteousness because they don't think they need it. But, but the person who has become meek through the awareness of their spiritual poverty will have a genuine hunger and thirst for true righteousness. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. The word hunger, it literally means to pine after, to famish, to crave. It describes a deep, thoughtful, reflective hunger that cannot be satisfied by a taste. A.W. Tozier. I love A.W. Tozier. You know, I was always surprised as a young Christian. I would read people like A.W. Tozier and Vance Havner, and I would go to my friends, kind of my age bracket, and I'd say, have you read Tozier? Oh, yeah, he's a little, he's a little heavy-handed. I said, Really? I didn't realize I was being trained for <laughs> heavy-headedness. So, you know, no, I love that type of thing. I love reading things that bring conviction and just kind of, oh, oh, man, oh, that hurts so good, you know. I, I, but, but Tozier, he wrote this. Oh, God, I have tasted thy goodness, and it has both satisfied me and made me thirsty for more. I am painfully conscious of my need for further grace. I am ashamed of my lack of desire. O God, the triune God, I want to want thee. I long to be filled with longing. I thirst to be made more thirsty still. I was reading this last night. I've read this many times. I've written it. I've handwritten this quote in my Bible. Many Bibles. There are, I have Bibles floating around this church. <laughs> I pick up Bibles sometimes that I've given somebody, you know, and I'll pick it up in my names in the front cover. And I said, well, they didn't even take ownership and scribble my name out, you know. And then I'll see all these quotes that I wrote in these Bibles that I've given to people over the years. But I noticed this last night, and to be honest, I never noticed it until last night. Let me read it again. Oh God, I have tasted thy goodness, and it has both satisfied me and made me thirsty for more. Listen, I am painfully conscious of my need for further grace. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Next line. I am ashamed of my lack of desire. Blessed are those who mourn. Next line. O God, the triune God, I want to want thee. Blessed are the meek. It goes on. I long to be filled with longing. I thirst to be made more thirsty still. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. That's what he was saying. That's what he's writing about. I don't know that he was even thinking of the Beatitudes when he wrote this. The, be- the blessing of this Beatitude, look at it, look what it says, for they shall be filled. Which means to gorge, to supply an abundance. How are we filled? By the Lord himself. Just like, how are, how are we comforted? By the Lord himself. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. The psalmist wrote in, in Psalm 107, verse 9, For he satisfies the longing soul and fills the hungry soul with goodness. There is a chain, there is a pattern here 
I don't think it's something that just happens one time. Poverty of spirit, oh Lord, I'm dry. I'm distant from you. My prayers are cold. I, 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 I'm not where I used to be, Lord. I, I, I am poor in spirit. We acknowledge that. We begin to think of our condition and we, we mourn over it, Lord. I'm in this condition because I've opened the door to sin. I've allowed those old things of the past to come into my life once again. And, and now they've, they've become a stronghold in my life. And we begin to mourn over those things. And the Lord comforts us. Which brings meekness. Not me, Lord, but you. You're so gracious, Lord. You're so kind. I, I, I can't believe that you are so long-suffering with someone like me. And there's meekness. And the meekness creates a genuine hunger and thirst for righteousness. Lord, I don't want to pretend anymore. I I, I don't want to look the part. I don't want to sound the part. I, I want to be genuine. And I know that that comes from you and from you alone. It's been said, Quote, they have a thirst no earthly stream can satisfy, a hunger that must feed on Christ or die. Would you stand with me, please? Oh, how we need you, Lord. We need you. Sometimes, Lord, we know that better, more, than other times. Sometimes we can say the words, but we don't really feel it. You know, it's, it's really not an urgency thing. It's not a reality. We're just kind of saying it. We know that it's, it's a true statement, but we're not really feeling it. But then there's other times, Lord, where we look around, and I think of the Psalms, Many of David's psalms, many of the psalms were written because of enemies coming against him and people that were threatening his life and just living under the threat of this or that. And, 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 and he would write these psalms and he would cry out to you and, and he'd ask you for help and he would say things like, uh, hear my prayer, hear my cry, don't ignore me, Lord. That's... Those are words of desperation. Those are words that are expressing the attitude of his heart. And Lord, we know who we are in you. We know where we stand in you. And, and sometimes we could pretend, you know, well, I've got all the verses down. I know that I'm seated with Christ in the heavenlies. I know I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. I know, I know, I know. But then there's times that we don't feel it. We, we begin to doubt it. We begin to look around us and say, where is the Lord? Has he abandoned me? And times like that, we need your comfort. We need you to fill the longing of our souls. We pray as a congregation, specifically today, for the Carols and the Hopkins, we pray about their work situation or lack of. We pray, Father, our prayer is that things would just be turned around. We pray that there would just be a change of heart or a change of policy or whatever it might be. 
But Lord, if it doesn't change, we pray that you'd give them strength and courage. We pray that you would direct their steps. We pray that they would be able to hear by your spirit, go this way, turn that way, stop, stand, whatever it might be. We pray for them, knowing that there are others that are going to follow. We pray for those, Lord, that might hear this week that their company or their workplace are now demanding this or mandating that or whatever it might be, and now they're forced to make a decision, what shall they do? We pray, Father, that you would help each man, each woman to stand upon their convictions. We pray that the convictions are real. We pray for those who have chosen, you know, to take the the vaccination and all. We just pray that there would be no condemnation. There is none in you, Lord. But we just pray that we'd be able to honor and to respect one another. Lord, I know that this probably doesn't matter much in light of eternity. But would you help us, Lord, as American citizens on what we should do and how we should do it? We thank you, Lord, that we have Christian people that they're not rolling over. They're not saying, I'm not going to get involved. They're getting involved in the school board or the local government or this, that, or the other. (laughs) They believe you're coming, but... They also believe that we're to occupy until you come. We're to be faithful until you come. We're to do all the good we can do before you come to make a difference, to be light and to be salt in this earth. So help us to have a biblical perspective on things. And help us, Lord, to remember that meekness does not mean that we're weak. It does not mean that we're pushovers. It does not mean that we don't have a voice or an opinion or a conviction. Help us to remember that, Lord. In Jesus' name.